Today we're talking about how to keep from being sifted like wheat. As we, as we uh, are going into this Built Tough series, I, I shared with you last week this, this message jumped inside of me when I was visiting uh, Georgina just coming through heart surgery. And Georgina came through heart surgery like a champion. And, uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully she's watching this series because this was really the inspiration uh, for me as I was there in the hospital. And she said, you know, she was telling the doctors, I'm built tough. And it just jumped inside of me. It's like, ooh, to be confident about how you're built to be, and knowing that you're going to bounce back from something because of how your build is, right? I'm, I'm built tough. I, how many of you know you're built tough? You've had to walk through what you walked through because of your tough build. And it just reinforced the toughness, your toughness, right? And so I wanted to talk to you today about being built tough. As I prayed about the different scenarios and different things, we, we, last week we talked about um, uh, not by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin, and so not letting the, the, the wolf blow your house down. We're going to be visited by the wolf again today, but we're going we're gonna to tell him how to handle this business as he comes and tries to sift us. In Luke, Luke 22 Verse 31, it says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to, to him, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you. It's interesting when God starts to warn you of challenges, how ready we think we are. It's amazing. Here's Jesus' warning. I mean, if, if Jesus warns you of something, shouldn't you just like be going, okay, God, I'm, I'm paying attention. Tell me something. Oh, no, I'm ready. It's amazing the things I tell God I'm ready for. You guys don't have any of those things. You don't have any of those issues where you feel like you're ready and God's like, you're not ready. All right, let's go on. That, get, that got a nerve. You guys stop saying amen. I squashed everything that just was happening this morning. I just broke it. He says, I'm ready to go with you both. Now watch, look at, look at the, the, the depth of his commitment. I'm willing to go with you both, both to prison. If you're going to prison, I'm going with you. And if you're going, if you're going to die, I'm going to die too. Now, but Jesus knows exactly what's happening. He says, then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you shall deny me. You will deny me three times that you, you don't know me. How many of you know that that's important that we, we understand that, that, that the enemy wants to challenge your knowledge of God, and then in that challenge we have a choice of whether we're going to acknowledge that we know him or we, that we don't know him. And maybe the sifting moment is an acknowledgment. Maybe the moment of sifting is actually trying to discover whether you know him or you don't know him. Because he's talking about sifting, right? And then Peter's like, I'm good. I'm ready. Shoot, I'm tight. I'm built tough. And then all of a sudden the sifting opportunity comes. And the sifting opportunity comes with the, the fact that are you going to deny what you know is to be true? Because of what you think is true? Or are you going to actually change in your embrace? Let's read this again. Can we read this again? Let's read it together in the scriptures again. It says in verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. Let's start right there. Uh, why is Satan asking for you? Why would Satan even have any regard for you? 
What is it, what is it about you that he's interested in? You, there's some, the only reason Satan asks for anything is because of your value. Satan does not ask for things that lack value. He only asks for valuable stuff. The reason God in the beginning opened up the whole earth and created the heavens and the earth and he put gold on the surface, he put it on the surface for you. But the moment you became of the kingdom of Satan by eating of the fruit, of the fruit he, how many remember what happened to the gold? It sunk down. It had to be hidden. So that he, if he wants anything of gold, he has to sift. He has to go down off of the surface and get to the, so guess what he's doing? If he's sifting you, he's sifting you to get to your gold, to the the value of you. Come on, somebody. He's coming after your gifts and your talents and your marriage and your family. He's coming after the gold in you because that's what he wants. He's asking for you. He's asking about you because of the value of you. He doesn't ask for wasted things. He asks for valuable things. And the reason God hid the gold from him is because he's gold hungry. If he's coming after you, you got a lot of gold inside of you. If He's gold hungry. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. How many of you ever remember the gold panning, the gold panning for gold? What, what's the process of it? You, you scoop up gold, dirt, you scoop up everything you think is there, and then you, 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 you agitate it. Well, what do you do when you're agitated? All right, I'm going to talk to someone over here. What happens to you when you're agitated? Because the agitation is a process of getting to the gold. And I want you to know if I'm going to get to the gold, then you, I have to. And if Satan wants to get to the gold, then you, he has to. And if God wants to get to the gold, then you, he has to. Maybe the peace of God comes after a little bit of a Agitation. That, that, that there's some gold inside of you and that there's some, see, people, people someone comes and to me, well, will you mentor me? And I'm like, y- y- are you talking to me as the pastor or are you talking to me as the coach? Because there's two different things. As a pastor, I, I, you get mad at me when I agitate you. But as a coach, I get to agitate you and you pay me for it. I like that one better. I do. I want you to know the, the realization is if you're going to go to your next level, you have to, you have to allow, God has to allow some sifting. Now, who, who gets the gold is what the question is. Sifting's coming, but who's getting the gold? Is God going to use the gold or is Satan going to use the gold? Because God knows that. Jesus is like, great, this is on plan. The enemy's asking about you. That means he sees something in you. That means you're just about to be hatched into something. And, and the reason Satan is in the earth is not because he snuck into the garden, but God needed an agitator. And if you ever forget that, God, that the devil works for God, he, he, he's... He started asking permission in the Old Testament. And he's still asking permission in the New Testament. 
So if that's true, then God's going, okay, that means he sees, he finally sees the beauty coming out of you. He sees the, what's valuable rising up in you if he's asking about you. He wouldn't be asking about you if you were a loser. I know that you're trying to equate the fact that you're going through some stuff that you must be a loser because you went through stuff. But can I tell you, losers don't go through stuff. They make stuff that they go through. They sabotage their own destiny. They don't need a devil. Come on, somebody. They don't, they don't need a devil. How many of you know someone that doesn't need a devil? They are worse on themselves than the devil could ever be on them. They are crisis oriented. They love crisis. They feel energized in crisis. They're looking for crisis. Things go well. They break it so they can have a crisis. Can I tell you something? We don't need devils. We have a devil that is only assigned to God's work. I want you to know that some people are their own worst nightmare. Freddy Krueger living right there in your own head. I'm going to give you a smile in between those kind of statements. We have to understand that there is something, there's a sifting. Are you trying to get what I want? I want you to understand that the enemy doesn't just come and just agitate you for no reason. He wants to use your gold. He wants you to get mad at God so that you go into a world and use your gold in the world and not use it for the kingdom of God. He wants you to get mad at me so you can go do something and blame me for what you're doing. But I want you to know I'm not going to take the blame. I'm not going to take the blame. I'm not going to be the blame for your foolishness. You can do what you want to do on your own time. I'm not going to be blamed for it. I get blamed all the time. The realization is you have to understand that there is something about you that is powerful. Something that is mighty inside of you. Something that is dynamic inside of you. And God wants to use it. He doesn't want you to use it. He wants to use it. That he may sift you. Sifting process. That, then this, this is what I love Jesus' response. Can we talk about it for a second? Just, I know we can just we, I just, we have to be in the word today. Is that all right? We're just going to go through the word piece by piece, bit by bit, and we're going to build a picture here. It says, but I have prayed for you. See, I, I love Jesus' posture. Because he knows the sifting's happening. And he's not taking them to a, a safe house. I, have, I, I wanted God to take me to a safe house when the sifting happened. Hide me from the enemy. Come on. Get, get Tom Cruise, anybody else you can, to come and help me in this safe house moment. I need you to. You, I know you have an angel, Tom Cruise, and a, and a Bruce Willis up there. Come on. Bring them down and have them guard me and escort me 16 blocks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I, I want somebody. I want them. Where are they at? Keep me from this. But you know what he said? I'm going to pray for you. That sounds like the weakest response you're going to get. It's like, no, I want some Bruce Willis. I want some. I want that Gabriel Bruce Willis. Come on, somebody. I want Arnold. I want all of them. I want the rock. I want them all. But the realization is he says, I'm going to pray for you. Because you have to make the decision. He's not going to make the decision for you. And if I bring an escort to you, I'm making a decision for you. I can't save you from your decision. I've got to let you have it. I've got to let you make it, and I've got to let you live in it. Now watch. Look what he says. But I have prayed for you that your, that your faith shall not fail. 
I want you to say that. I'm praying for you that your faith shall not. Oh, that's going to be so good. It's, it just, it's, it, you got to understand that when God sees circumstances and Satan's asking for you, he knows Satan's coming to dig that biggest thing of that big nugget of gold, which is faith in you. What you believe in, what you stood for, what you fought for, what you rebuked everybody else off of. What you encouraged everybody else with. And now it's your time to be sifted with it. It's easy to preach something, but it's harder to live in it. Now you're being sifted because it's time for the crows to come to your house. The ravens are coming to see, do you believe what you said or are you just talking something? And so what he's coming after is your faith. The greatest value that you have in the earth is faith. When I come, I'm coming to see who has in the earth. That means faith in the earth is the biggest weapon that you have against the enemy. Your prize of gold is how large your faith has grown into. And that a faith that doesn't fail is the most valuable thing. When does faith fail? Faith fails when sifting happens. The separation. God starts to separate you from things. He starts to take away little bits of you. How do you get down to the rock we talked about last week? Remember the rock that one person built their house on the sand and the other person built their house on the rock? You have to sift through all of that until you get to the point that you're trying to get to, which is a rock-solid foundation. I want you to know your faith is your solid foundation. Nothing is more important and more powerful than your faith. Your faith and your ability to believe. And you know your faith is not by just what you talked about, but the actions now. So you can talk as you have faith, but it doesn't really prove it until you actually walk out that faith. Until you actually action that faith. Oh, come on, somebody. Until you action out that faith. Faith, faith to me is, is about action more than what you're telling me. People tell me stuff all the time. Now let's talk about the action. What have you done for me lately? Ooh, right. Janet needs to come up with something new because that's, that's what we have right now. That your faith. Now what's the value? What is he saying? I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. But listen to what he says next, because God knows everything. And when you have returned to me. Knowing that I'm praying for you, and as I pray for you, I know what's going to happen. I know the decision you're going to make. I know what you're going to do. You're going to get sifted. And that sifting is going to bring you back to me. When you return to me. When you return to me. Can I tell you something? There's something I learned about God. I've asked God years ago, I said, God, why do you allow me to go through stuff that my friends don't go through? He says, because your friends won't teach a generation, but you will. I'm not saying that against my friend, but this is what he just said. I don't know any of my friends, whether they do it or not, but this is what he asked me. This is what he told me. He says, I'm allowing you to go through stuff to teach people. Okay, that's different than what you maybe expected. I'm allowing you to go through stuff so that you can teach the next generation how to avoid the stuff that you go through. Now, what a valuable thing that God's saying to him. He's saying, I'm going to, Satan's asked for you. And I know he has a plan to sift you, but I have a plan to use his, this process to make you strong, strong enough to strengthen. 
Some of you are asking, why am I going through this? It's because you need to be strong enough to strengthen. Not strong enough just to be strong, but strong enough to... Come on, Jeff. Strong enough to strengthen. That's why you walked the way you walked. That's why you obeyed the way you obeyed and you stayed longer than anybody else. It's because you needed to be strong enough to strengthen. Some of you want strength, but your strength is... You're asking for strength for you, but strength for you is not enough. You need strength for more. You need strength for multitudes. You need strength for family members. I don't want to just get out of hell. I want to bring my whole family out of hell. I don't want to just get out of poverty. I want to take all of my family, my friends, and the people I love out of poverty. I don't want to just get mine. I want to get mine and y'all's. Come on, somebody. I want to get y'all's. I want to have strength for the multitude. I want to have strength for more. I want to have strength for more. It's easy. It's easy, and I'm being sifted. I told my wife this week, I said, why am I always trying to get people in their destiny when it just leaves me out of mine? I work hard and build people to have them turn their backs on me. when I return. See, when they tried to kill the whole passion of building wealth builders, wealth creation, three years I'm sifted. And I said, I'll never, ever talk to another business leader in my life. I'll never speak to them. And yet God says, the key to you making millionaires is your words to business people. He told me that when I didn't have words to business people. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no words to business people. I just talk to people. He says, you're going to make a million, millions of dollars through your words to business people. I said, I don't have words to business people. And people, people persecute me because I'm pursuing what God told me. To raise up a thousand millionaires. That's the word of the Lord. Why? Because we have a kingdom to build. And when, when I'm being attacked because of my words, the words that he told me to have, being sifted. And I had to decide, am I going to return? And I'm stronger today than I was. But I had to go through the return. Come on, somebody, the returning process. I had to go through the returning process. How many of you know it's not even easy to return some product that you buy? Let alone return to something that you had your heart in, lost your heart in it, and now hope deferred is going to be restored because you're going to let it return. We went to buy some food. I got, from the, got off the plane last night. I'm hungry. I said, babe, what, where can we go? And said, let's go, to this, let's go to this place. I wanted to try this bad carb-filled thing that they've had. And I've been putting it off for three years. I've been putting it off for so many years. I've been putting it off for years, 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 years. And I don't even know why, but I walk in, and then we, and I'm like, I want this. What is that thing right there? I, mean, I saw people order it. I refused to order it years before, and I, I just want to eat it now. What is it? What is it? Give me that thing. Thank you, sir. Look at him. He's passing money out of town. <laughs> Blessings. We walk in, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm ordering this thing, and, and my wife's looking at me, you know, I'm ordering that, that, that thing and that thing and that thing. And all of a sudden, this guy starts to lay out his business plan to me. He starts to tell me his whole business plan, his everything. 
I'm just sitting there ordering food. Come on, sir. I'm just ordering food. We get home. My wife says, business people can't help but talk to you about their plans, and you don't even tell them what you do. What an anointing on your life. I'm just sitting there trying to get food, and all of a sudden he says, and I need a wife, and I got a plan. All I need is a wife to help me with my plan. She can go home and take care of the kids. I want to do business. She got, I got this degree, that degree. I'm, I'm, I'm like, he's giving me his full resume. I'm sitting there looking at him like this. I said nothing. And my wife said, like, this is a coaching session. <laughs> just... Like 15 minutes of just this download of stuff. And I'm, and I'm like, he's like, I'll have a Christian wife. I'm like, He's all right. His, his turban's all up, and he's like, oh, I'm a Christian wife. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, shoot, come on, somebody. We're about to have some, some influence in the East. Shoot. See, because when you return, you have the power to strengthen, even when you're ordering carb-filled food. Someone say sift. He's coming to try to sift your faith. I believe that God wanted to do something through me, not just for me. And that's when you know when he's coming after your faith. The faith that he's after is not just what you're trying to get your bill paid. That's not the faith he's after. But the faith of how you're supposed to affect the world, that's the faith he's after. That's the faith he's after. He's after the faith of how it goes bigger than you. He's after the faith that how your life is not just about you and yours and having yours, but the faith that's bigger than you. The faith that you always used to dream of. I wish I could take care of this. I wish I could help this person. I wish I could do this thing. And now that's the faith he's after. That's how you know you have true faith is when you have faith that's bigger than you. I'm not just believing for if the fallout happens to me, I'm just going to have enough water for myself and beans. Come on, like Y2K. I'm not just going to have enough beans, toilet paper for me. <laughs> but I'm going to have enough for you too. Come on, somebody. See, I love the fact that he, he, God didn't play this down and says, no, it's not going to happen. The sifting's never going to happen. He didn't do that. He didn't play down. He didn't actually pretend like it was not going to happen. He didn't pretend like it was going to be a light thing. It was so much that you felt like you were away from me. That's how. F- it's going to be so much shifting in this, po- in this point that you're going to feel like you're fully away from me. But when you return to me. Isn't that what it says? But when you return to me, to my agenda, to my plan, to my will, to my design, to my idea. See, you have your idea, but God has his idea. But when you return to me, and when you come to me, guess what you're going to look at? You're going to look at them. I always know if I'm with God and if I'm being sifted because I start looking at me. Well, I, I just need to do this for myself. I just need to do this for myself. That means I'm not with God because God doesn't want to do me to do it for myself. And, and when I, but when I return, he goes, them. Strengthen them. As long as it's me, it's self. It's my selfishness. My, my isolated insecurities. But when I come back to him, 
he doesn't, he doesn't need me to think about me because he's thinking about me. If I'm spending my time thinking about me, then I'm like Satan. Satan. But if I'm thinking about you, I'm like God. Because God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't have to. If he was thinking about himself, he would have said, oh, well, let's start all over. Jupiter looks good. Pluto's not going to be a Pluto's not going to be a planet soon. Let's just start with that. Don't even know what to call it anymore. Let's just go ahead and get that star and make it a planet again. Put people on it. He said, "Peter, Peter, you're going to go through some sifting. But when you when you get right, when you when you get off of yourself." Then you'll, you'll return to me. And when you return to me, you'll think that I've got to help my brethren to be, make them strong so that they don't ever have to go through the sifting. How many of you want to help someone to, to avoid what you've gone through? I was talking to Lana, Lana, Lana from Thailand. I had lunch with her this week. Lunch with her this week. Just bumped into her. We just start, she started prophesying about a, 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 a campus in L.A., uh, in a certain area for us. And, and so I, I started, like, praise the Lord. I started prophesying over here. We had a little prophetic thing. And I said, yeah, I have a, I have a woman. She's powerful. She was in Thailand, and I threw your name out. She said, oh, I know her. Woo! <laughs> and it was powerful. It was fun. But she said, she, you know, one of the girls, one of the, fir- the first girl I think she rescued is running her, running her organization there. And now she's, she's able to go, and she's, Brazil said, come and open it up in Brazil but she's able to do that because one that was returned is now able to strengthen to the point that I don't, that, that Lana doesn't have to watch over it anymore because she's completely committed to make sure that everybody. It's powerful. I told her, you're going to come over there and, and do some. Um, I did. I said, I said I'm, we're going to do something. Sorry, that was a little advertisement of I'm excited about it. He says, but when you return, strengthen. So, so, so there's some things that you've returned to God on and said, God, I thought I knew what I knew, but I didn't know what I know. So, but now I'm smarter since I've gone through. How many of you are smarter since you walked through some stuff? You know, whenever you say, if I knew what I know now when I was in and the men and then, you know what that means? You walk through some stuff, you learn some stuff, and you're going, if I knew this, guess what you thought that you knew then? Yeah, you thought you were ready, right? You thought you were smart. Isn't that right? And 10 years from now, if we're going to go, if I knew what I knew 10 years ago, what I know now then I would have done something different. But that's part of being smart. And now you sit with people and you go, let me tell you what I knew then, and let me tell you what I know now, so you don't have to be stupid like me. So I like, I like studying Peter. When Peter's in a circumstance in the Bible, I, in the, in the, in the, in the, I like to go to what he wrote. Because he always talks about what he did in what he wrote. And there's not a lot of circumstances where you can see uh, someone walk through that. I mean, you don't, you can't see John's relationship uh, with how he had Jesus a lot, somewhat, in, in the books of John. 
But it's really in Peter's you can see, because Peter wears everything on his chest. You can tell that by the chopping off the ears and cussing in front of Jesus stuff. You can tell. He just, everything comes out. You guys with me? Come on, I have 13 more minutes. You guys with me? Now watch. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. Can, can we continue to read the Bible the way we are? Just read it. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, By which have been given to us exceedingly. See, I like that God doesn't talk about small stuff when he talks about us. When he talks about what's given to you, he doesn't talk about small stuff. That's why we can't sweat. We just don't sweat the small stuff. Because what he talks about is big stuff. And so he's talking about an exceedingly great and precious promise. These promises that are on your life. So we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises that we may be partakers. How many of you like to partake in stuff? If someone's eating a pie, I'm, I'm into my dessert and carbs today for some reason. I must have just got loosened last night. I'll get back tight to, tonight, later tomorrow, maybe, maybe, maybe Tuesday. Um, I've been eating good all week. I've been doing really good for a while. I'm ready to eat a couple carbs, right? Now watch this. <laughs> Come on, girl. That, but if someone's eating something good, like my daughter bought something, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, give me some. You want to be a partaker of it. When you see good and exceeding promises that people are eating of, I want to partake of it. I want some. And that's why God wants you to have the promises so that you can par- portion out of the excess that's in your life. He doesn't just give you enough. He gives you exceeding, excessive amount of food. My, my son calls it bonus food. Because <laughs> when we go, we go order something, we, we order because we have kids that like have long, every, they're long. And so they eat at two and it's already moved through. And, and three is gone. You know, it's like four. And so we have to get excessive amounts of food. We don't, okay, what, what, what do you want to eat now? Okay, what would you want to eat later? Because it's going to, between meals, between meals. This is, not bre- this is not breakfast or dinner. Come on, somebody. So we have to be excessive. And then so my son comes out and says, hey, is there any more bonus food? And so we go, we go, we go now. We order. Guess what we say? Oh, Tristan's going to want some bonus food. <laughs> He's going to get some bonus food. And, I, and, and we just planned for him to want bonus. How many of you know God did the same thing? He planned for you to want bonus food. Come on, is there anybody in this place you want bonus food? Yeah, I want that, I want that, but I'm still hungry. Can you give a little bit of this? Yes, I do want Bellevue. And yes, I want Seattle. But can I also have Orange County and L.A. and Washington, D.C. and Austin? Oh, and I want to go over to Nashville, too. Oh, and I'm thinking about Boston. Oh, I want some of that in Europe. And I want some of that in China. I want some of that. Oh, I want some bonus food. There's some excessive promises because God is planning for you to have his appetite. His appetite. His appetite. His appetite. We're partakers of the divine nature. What's that divine nature? It's my appetites. It's my craving. It's my character. It's the divine character, the divine craving. Why do you want more? Because my God wants more. You mean he wasn't happy with heaven, so he had to create earth? He wasn't happy with eternity, 
so he had to make time so he can have more stuff within to mess with? I mean, have to play with? Build with? Whatever he does with it? Because God's desire is more. He, he has an excessive desire. Well, how can you say that? Because the first thing he says to his kids is, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion. That's excessive. He didn't say, I want you to go and get a little prairie and build a little fence with a little cabin on it and just have fun. Just chill. Have a little tiny garden in the back. A little tiny garden. Just not a big one. A little tiny garden with a little orchard. Just enough to feed you and the kids. That's all. That's all you need to do. You and the kids. No, he says, go into all the earth. Go. I mean, if he gave me this whole, this is my whole playground, I'm playing everywhere. Is there anyone with me? We're going to play everywhere. Well, why don't you just be a preacher? Because I'm not satisfied just being a preacher. I'm not. I'm not satisfied. I am studying movies and writing because I'm not satisfied with that. And when I get there, I won't be satisfied with that because I'm not going to be easily satisfied. Because he put excessive promises in me. And if I'm going to live based upon the promises he put inside of me, I'm going for it. I have the faith that I will not fail. I have faith that won't fail. I'm going to keep on going for it. Man, I, sp- I spent the last few days with Bob Harrison, and increase is just coming all over me. Come on, Bob, increase. Someone say partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want you to know that we don't, we can build without lusting. We can walk in excess without lusting. We can tap into every promise without being lustful. Lust is this. Lust is an urgency that comes on your urge. We never are supposed to make any decisions out of an urge. We make decisions out of a divine nature, not out of an urge out of what God said, out of what God put, what God's plans are. Then I get a willingness to do what he wants. But if I'm urgent with it, that's the same urgency in the garden that made the fall. God planned for them to eat of that tree, just not today. And not the way you want to eat it. You choose how you want to eat it, that's urgency, which comes from an urge, which is lust. You will eat it, but just not your way. It's all right, Jesus. It's all right. Is this all right? This is good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Okay, that's good. Okay, okay, thank you. Someone say urgency. Urgency is the most dangerous thing that the enemy has to use against you is your urgency. And, and we, we don't, we don't want to say it, but it's, it's lust. I know we think lusting is looking at curves. But lust is when you have an urgency that God did not put inside of you for something that you're not ready for. And that's what the enemy uses to corrupt you. Are you guys tracking with me? See, corruption is when you are completely out of the right of God. 
So I want us to know that God wants us to be, know that we're free from this world lust. We don't have to live with urgency. We have escaped that kind of craving, urgency. Urgency. I gotta do this now. How many of you know your people that like, we gotta do it now, we gotta do it now, we gotta do it now, we gotta do it now? How many? They're annoying. Sorry. I'm not gonna look at anybody. I'm looking at the camera. Because I don't want any of you to think I think you're annoying. Not here. I want you to understand that's the devil's strategy. He wants you to feel this urgency because you don't believe in the promises. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that promises versus lust? Lust doesn't believe that you have a promise that's going to be fulfilled. But when you have faith for the promise, you escape the lust. I'm liking this scripture. Let's go to verse 5. But also for, this is what Peter learned through his, this is how he's strengthening the brethren. This is how he strengthens. He comes back and tells how to avoid the thing he went into. The thing he encountered, the urgency. No, Jesus, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't. No, Jesus, you shouldn't go to the cross. You shouldn't. And he, in his urgency, wants to keep Jesus now. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the promise, but I've got to go through my sifting so that I can strengthen you. I remember there's so many times God asked me to die to myself, and I never knew what dying to myself was. But dying to myself is not having my urgent need now. And in that, how much do I have to peel off my heart to do that? I have to sift myself. Can I have a few more minutes of your time today? Is this this valuable? Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Someone say diligence. That word diligence translated properly is the word haste and speed. So if you're going to give haste and speed, guess what? Don't go after stuff, but give haste and speed in adding to your faith. If you're going to be urgent about something, urgently add to your faith. If you're going to be desperate about something, desperately build your faith. So, so can we put up that first picture of the, our, our friend from last week? The big bad wolf. The big bad wolf. He's going to huff and he's going to puff and he's going to, well, that's what he wants to do. But the first thing we do is we add faith. Diligently, we add faith. So we can bid the next the next we add faith. We build a framework. Faith is our framework to build a barrier against the enemy. But we have to be diligent to go to our faith first. What does God say to me? What did God promise me? I know the big bad wolf's out of my house, outside my house, but what did God say to me? What did God promise me? I know he's coming after my family, but what did God say to me? What did
God promised me. What is the divine nature of God in this moment? There's a nature that is mine that exceeds this moment. It exceeds this opportunity of the enemy. It exceeds. I know he's on his job sifting me, but I am going to build a, a something that resists him. I'm going to strengthen myself so I can strengthen others. The first thing you go is, what did God say to me? What did God promise me? What does the word of God have to say about this? What does the word of God have to say about it? What does God have to say? God has something to say about everything, and the reason he wants you to know that is so that you have faith in his promise and not faith in the pain, not faith in the process, not faith, but faith in his promise. And it says, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue is going to, virtue, this word virtue translated as the word excellence. Is this excellent for my life? Is this the best that God has for me? Is this all you have? No, this is not the best you have for me. The best you have for me is that. I'm going to pursue excellence. I'm going to pursue a life of virtue where I have passion and zeal. How many of you want to live a life with passion and zeal? Oh, you got to get, because the enemy comes to try to sift your passion, your zeal. That's what your excellence is. The excellency, the Bible talks about excellency is a power within you. For this, ex, this power, excellent power within me, that word literally means to throw beyond anyone else. You need to throw yourself beyond this circumstance. Come on. Come on, somebody. You need to throw yourself over this circumstance. <laughs> Just throw yourself over this circumstance. Get to the other side of it and realize that this is not the end of me. Come on, somebody. This is not the end of me. This is just where I throw from. I throw from here. I'm going to another level. I have faith in God. I'm going to another level. You have to add to your virtue. And you have to add to your virtue. So you add faith, which is your framework. Then you add virtue. The next is you add knowledge. I want you to understand that you don't want to get knowledge before you get zeal. Because your knowledge can kill your passion. What someone said, what someone said, what someone else said, what someone else said, what someone else said. Well, my, my friend's family, sister, brother did that, and it didn't work for them. Don't get that first. Before you get the faith in the promise and the zeal, the excellence to go after it. And then you can go, okay, thank you for the information. I took that one little piece. The rest you can have on your own. I'm going to... Someone say add knowledge. You have to add knowledge. You have to increase your knowledge. Increase your understanding. Increase the science, the, the knowing of it. That word, that word knowledge is gnosis, which is the word science. You have to discover the science of how what you're pursuing works. See, science is... Is, in, is, is, is a knowledge that says, this is how this works. It's not some kind of religion that's taught in school. Well, kind of. But it's a knowledge. So when you learn how to do something over and over and you know how it works, you can do it here, you can do it there, you can do it there. That's science. That's the knowledge. That's this word. God wants you to know not only how to mistakenly do it, you know, there's a lot of people that have success 
Milli Vanilli. They have success, <laughs> but they don't know how to duplicate it. That's not good. That's not knowledge. That's accidents. But God wants you to have such success that you know how to duplicate it over and over. See, because you can't help me and strengthen me if you don't know how it works. I've gone to people, I say, how did you get your success? They're like, I just did this. I'm like, that's nothing. You, you, you fell into a hole and it blessed you, right? Okay, so let's figure out how the science of this works. Once we figure out the science of it, then we have the knowledge of it, we know it, and then we can add it to anyone that comes our way. So we have to, we have to know that what you're doing is you're building a barrier between you and the big bad wolf. See, when you build this barrier, all you're focusing on, not the wolf, come on somebody, you're not focusing on the sifter. You're focusing on, I'm adding, I'm adding faith. I'm diligently running to faith. That's my framework. Because the whole world was framed with this same element, faith. Then I'm going to add this, this virtue. Then I'm adding the knowledge. You understand? Now I'm going to add self-control. So I don't sabotage everything I just built. So we're going to add self-control. This self-control now becomes another, another part of my barrier. I'm building a resistance. I'm building something between me and this enemy. Me, I'm building up my door again. I'm building up my house again. Come on. I'm building up my wall again. And now I'm building up. So now this self-control means I'm in a, I master my emotions I have emotional intelligence, and I master it. Not just I, I, I master it. I know what self, my, my social skills are. I know how, because there's sometimes the reason you lose something is because you freak out. You're emotionally unintelligent. Emotional ignorance destroys most of the stuff we do. All right, so I'm, this is too much. This is too much. We only, want, we only want to get half of the barrier. We don't want the whole barrier. So he can still blow over the top of it. <laughs> Self-control, emotional intelligence. It's amazing. I walk the streets. Not well, you know, I, I, I go to the mall. <laughs> and I... <laughs> <laughs> so many terms you got to avoid nowadays when you're speaking. You just can't say stuff. <laughs> it's like, and it's amazing, like, especially in airports, how many people just back up into you, step on you, walk over you, walk in front of you, have no idea that you're there, stop right in front of you. It, the, the whole crowd's going this way, and they just stop. I'm like, hello, excuse me. It's like, I never said excuse me so many times, and it's not my fault. Because we, we have to know, people are not aware of themselves. And if they're not aware of themselves, they're not aware of you. Not aware of you. We have, a, we have a society, the people that are not aware of themselves, they're not aware of you. They're only aware of their phones and their social media statuses and all their clicks and likes and hearts. We have to be, we have to get back to people. So how many of you would say that you are a master over your emotions? Well, that means that there's at least one slate off of your barrier. And any slate off is an access point. 
That's why I have to add this. I can't start from the top, but I have to start with faith. Because if I don't start with faith, then I don't believe any of the things that I'm going to come move up. So, but I need to make sure that if I have knowledge, knowledge makes me puffed up. So I need to make sure that I have self-control. If I have knowledge and no self-control, that's just going to puff me up. And then I'll use you for my... I'll step on you, walk on you, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll use you and then throw you away later because I have no self-control because the goal is just me to get to where I need to go. I need to make sure that I am also emotional in, in mastering my emotions, but I'm, I have emotional intelligence. And, and we have a series on emotional intelligence. I think it's, I think it's called Symphony, Symphony and maybe something else. I don't know. Kim's smarter than me on these things. So I, I don't know. It's, it's out there somewhere. Perseverance is the next one. Now, I mean, you know, if you get this far, you don't want to quit. Now, if I can tell you, if I can tell you something, because there's a term that kind of took away our perseverance. It, it's like uh, God brought you this far. He's not going to leave you, which I believe in it. I believe in it. But that means I'm going to blame on God if it's not working. When God's saying, if I need to go to my next level, I've got to have it. See, we want, we, want to be, we want to play like we're sovereign, like we have this sovereign God relationship. But the realization is we want to be in control, and yet he wants us to be in control because you chose to eat Wheaties this morning, not God. You chose whatever you ate or whatever you didn't eat, right? It's like because he's not that kind of sovereign. So he's not going to make your perseverance for you. You've got to persevere. You've got to, you've got to stay the course. Once you set a trajectory, stay the course. Steadfastness is one of the words there. Cons- constancy. You know this word endurance. Endurance is a, is a tough word. This, this is where, you, where you, your toughness starts to really manifest. When you have faith, it takes toughness to have faith. How many of you know that? It takes toughness to have virtue or excellence. It takes toughness to go after knowledge and You don't know it until you try it and 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 try it. That's when you know it. You have that self-control. You're not going to sabotage what you started. And your perseverance, I'm going to stick in this. I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to have a rhythm in it. I'm going to be consistent in it. I'm going to have a constancy. Now, that means if, I'm go- if I don't have a con- constancy, that means the enemy loves that because that barrier is being pulled down. Inconsistency is an access point. Inconsistency is what the devil loves. He loves it. The next is godliness. Godliness is what we, sh- we need to add to ourselves. What does that mean? That I should, what does godliness mean? It translates in this reverence and respect. It's amazing that if I show respect for you, Kathleen, that I'm acting godly. Respect, reverence, not only for God, but for humanity, for people. The cities we go into that are the toughest cities to work in are cities where people have no regard for each other. But you, see, you, take, you, you go to a city where people love each other and they have regard for each other. That is a city 
that is able to be shifted. So God has to fill a heart so that we have regard. So you have to have godliness, respect. It's amazing how much respect we lose nowadays. We have no respect for our police officers. The way people talk about our president and the Bible so directly contradicts it. So directly contradicts that you are able, you're not able to say anything about anyone in authority because I put them there. I didn't ask your opinion. I didn't ask if you liked them. I allowed them to get there. And so that by itself demands your respect. That, that barrier pulled down in our society is access point for the big bad wolf. Well, I don't like him. He talks so much. You're talking now. It's amazing the people that say they don't like him talking are the ones that are talking. And when you disrespect what is, should be respected in God's mind, he says, that's not godly. He's not up there going, I sure hate Trump. So we have disrespect for police officers. Yes, but you have to understand people are people. People are people. Doesn't matter what office they. People are people. There's good people in politics, bad people in politics. Good people in police officers, policing, and bad people in policing. Bad criminals and bad criminals. Right? There's just. I couldn't say good criminals and bad criminals. That just wouldn't work. It's just not gonna happen. That's just not going. That just that one didn't work. But if you drop that guard, what are you doing? You're dropping your barrier. He's, you're dropping your barrier. We're almost finished here, guys. The next is brotherly kindness. Bro kindness. kindness. Brotherly kindness literally is what it means. It means to love your brother or to love your sister. To be kind to them. It's interesting how we want every, we want the church to be kind first to the world before we're church. And it's improper doctrine. It's improper doctrine. The, the, the world always came after the church. You see it in everything that Jesus talked about, loving your brother, loving your brother, loving your brother, feeding your brother, taking care of your brother. Those are the household of faith. And then outreach. It's amazing how we want to outreach and then love our, with the secondary. But if we do this right in here, then the whole world will pay attention the way we love each other. And they'll be attracted to that. But because we don't love each other well in front of them, they don't want to come here. The best form of evangelism starts with brotherly love, taking care of one another, loving one another. If you can't love the church, which is his body, how are you going to love the world? And, and guess what? If that's not in place, what's happened to our barrier? It's down. It's interesting because the next one is love. Brotherly kindness, then love. 
This love is that agape, which is, which is the word to have that benevolence for have that, that out, outward flowing to you. Loving you the way God would love you. Loving the way the world, loving the world the way God would. But I can't love the way the, the world the way God would if I haven't loved my brother and my sister. You do this, you do this and you built a barrier. You've locked out the big bad wolf. It's beautiful. Can I just tell you how God gave me this? I was actually going to Home Depot because I wanted to build steps. Add two, add two, and we were going to climb heaven. And I said, God, how do we do this? He says, not a stairway, a barrier. So he wants you to know that these things are the blockade from the enemy coming in. These are the things that he can't huff and puff and blow your house down. These are the things that keep him out. God is interested in keeping the devil out of your life. Look at verse 8, and then I want to I finish off with this. You guys, you guys okay? I know I pushed your time frame. Look at this. For if these things are yours, let's put that back up for you. I'm sorry, can you do both or no? Yes. Let's put, we'll put it. If these things are yours, thank you so much. I didn't tell you I needed that. that. If these things are yours, then you, you, you're going to own these. How many of you know if something's yours, it's yours? Now, he's not saying if you have, if you know things, but if you own these things. Yeah, I heard that sermon on knowledge. Or I heard that sermon on self, self-discipline. You know, I also heard, you know, Stephen Furtick was preaching on, on fences. Not having offenses. So I know that, I know that control thing, that self-control. Oh, you know, you know. Uh, 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 Hillsong, they were talking about. But the realization, if you, if these are yours. Oh, come on, somebody. That was your best, your best, that was your best illustration you can get. No, no, you missed that one. If these are If these are yours, someone say yours. Now, it's not enough to be yours, but you have to abound in them. If these are yours and they are constantly causing, and you're constantly causing them to increase in you. They're abundant in you. So it's not enough to have a somewhat virtue. Somewhat knowledge. But they have to become abundant in you. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he acts these things is short-sighted. What's short-sighted again? It's the urgency. Urgency. Lust. Short-sighted. Even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins, his old missing of the mark. Therefore, brethren, even more, be even more diligent. There's that word, haste. Even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never 
stumble. How many of you have the translation that says you shall never fail? You shall never fall. There's no failing. There's no falling. If you see failing, falling, stumbling, it's because these things have been sifted. Come on, take the, can, are you able to go backwards and remove one at a time? I don't know if I can love people anymore. You know what? That person hurt me, so I, I'm, I'm going to just, I, I'm going to get them back, and we remove that one. And, you know, I don't care what the pastor says about Trump. I, I don't like Trump, and I'm disrespecting God, right? And then, you know what? Forget him. I'm going to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. And, you know, perseverance. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. Come on, let's get rid of that one. This, if, this is sifting. This is, this is we're, we, you've been sifted. The enemy has asked to sift. So he's going to come and check your faith in all of these things. Oh, you know what? Um, I just say what I want to say because I'm going to play the devil's advocate and sifting. You know what? I, I think I know everything. I'm ready. I'm not going to ask any more questions. I'm not going to find out why I'm not ready. I'm just sifted. Virtue, excellence, I'm satisfied where I'm at, what I'm doing now, sifted. And he comes by and he's trying to sift you of the divine character that God has given you. I love what, I love what Jesus said to Peter. Remember what he said? He says, uh, Peter... Upon this rock, I will build my church. I thought to myself, that's amazing because he said the only way to get to a rock is to dig it out. So God wants you to get to the rock level where only the part of you is. But that happens when you have all of this and nothing is able to stop you. Let's not be sifted, church. Let's build the barrier between you and the enemy. Let's build a barrier that, that protects your family, to protect your relationships, to protect your life. Let's build a barrier that stops the enemy. How many of you believe that you can build? I know you can do this because God wouldn't ask you to add to it if you didn't have the materials to add to it. You have the materials to add to it. You have the ability to be built strong, to be built tough. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a big clap and a shout. Terrence, would you come help me with that? Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap and a shout. Thank you, Lord. As our worship team comes up, our prayer team has come up. Thank you for your patience. Hopefully this is going to help you to be built tough. God wants you to build. And I, and I just think this about Peter. He says, on this rock I will build my church. God's trying to build on you. But he needs solid ground from us. He needs the best part of us to build on. <laughs>